Welcome to this episode that I recorded with Stephen Lightbound. I'm excited for you to listen to this episode where we talk about yoga and yoga teacher training. I also wanted to give you a tip. After listening to the episode, go to showupandsurrender.com and look for this episode in the episode list. You will find a link to a workshop that Stephen and I recorded for an online retreat called Coming Home that we do every November. And it's a workshop bringing together yoga and poetry. And for a couple of weeks, this workshop will be available for you to practice with us. So I hope you enjoy, and I hope you enjoy this podcast. Let us know your thoughts and any questions that might pop up. We would love to hear from you. Welcome to Show Up and Surrender. This is a podcast about life, the good, the bad, and everything that can happen in between. From those big life-changing events to something from your day-to-day -day routine. My name is Biddy. I'm a yoga teacher and I live in the Netherlands. I'm very excited to share the conversations that I have with you. How do you show up and surrender for yourself? Showing up by giving yourself what you need and surrendering to the current moment instead of always striving to be better or looking towards the future I invite you to every now and then be in the here and now with me for just a moment. I hope this podcast will feel like you are sitting next to me at my kitchen table with your drink of choice, having a good conversation. Enjoy. Welcome everyone. Um, this is the very first episode of season two where we get to welcome one of my friends that I'm so happy said yes to becoming a regular co-host on Show Up and Surrender. So please welcome back Stephen Lightbound. Hi, baby. I'm so happy that you said yes, even if it's just because that means I get a chance to regularly catch up with you. <laughs> <laughs> um, since we spoke last, and we'll put a link to um, the episode from season one where you were a guest on the podcast in the description as well. But last time we spoke was, I think, actually almost a year ago now, ever since we spoke, uh, a lot changed for you, actually. And um, one of the things is that you are now in yoga teacher training. That's just one of the things. There's so many other changes. But we thought today we'd tackle just one thing first to, to start us off with. And I was so curious because, well, most people listening will know that um, I did a couple of yoga teacher trainings myself. And I'm a full-time yoga teacher. I find teacher an odd word. Maybe an instructor is better. You kind of guide people, I think, more mm -hmm. as a yoga teacher. But I was really curious um, to your experiences so far because you're in the middle of it right now, right? I think. That's right. Yeah. I've. Um, when did I start? November. So it's been sort of fairly, fairly intense. It's been good fun, but a real, yeah maybe more intense than I thought it would have been and more sort of you know the 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 days that you spend you sort of think about I'm I'm doing 200 hour mm -hmm. teacher training as well and uh most of the training is split into like weekends and then evenings on on zoom and a full day when we do sort of nine till six is pretty intense you know yeah I do more yoga in that one day and physical movement in that one day than I do in the, the month before <laughs> than the month before <laughs> I get we that. do the yoga training yeah and then there's like um assignments and things in between 
uh, we have to do 10 hours of karma yoga, which is you could choose to go and walk your neighbor's dog or do shopping for a neighbor or volunteer at a homeless shelter, whatever it could be. You, you choose to do however you want to do your karma yoga. So that's another 10 hours of the 200 we spent doing that as well. And when you say that it was, you said it was more than you were expecting, right? Or a little bit more intense was, mm. what were you expecting? I'm curious. I don't, do you know what? I don't really know. I think I went into it with quite open eyes. Mm -hmm. um, I think we, I, I, I knew that we would be doing yoga. Um, but I think even coming into the training, I don't think I fully knew what yoga was. So I think I've been learning about that. I thought that yoga was a flow. So whether that is 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, whatever, you do a series of postures. But actually, yoga is sitting quietly with your eyes closed for five minutes. Yoga is lying on the ground outside and looking at the trees or the clouds. You know, yoga is just finding that piece where you can do it, of which a posture is part of that. And a, but also pranayama and the breathing is part of that. Relaxation is part of that. Meditation is part of that. So I think me like many people had just made the assumption that yoga is the physical movement mm -hmm. and if you're not doing it so when i when we got told oh you've got to do a yoga practice every day i was like oh like that's quite hard to fit in a sequence of postures and moves right. every day and actually brushing your teeth if you do that mind brushing your teeth if you do that mindfully is, is it's a form is yoga, of yoga i guess I, I, it's a yeah. form of yoga I love that. I think it's it's eye-opening, right? I had that same realization at some point as well because I think most people in the Western world for sure think that the practice of poses on a mat is what yoga is. And there's that mind-opening moment when you realize that it's in the connection of everything, which, sound, which right. sounds so vague, but it... It's how you connect your awareness to the things that you're doing, the connection that you create with other people. All of that is yoga. And I, I love that. Mm. I quite like the idea of just being a yoga teacher that gets people to lie on a mat and look at clouds. And then I love that. I would <laughs> bring them back I would in come to that after class. 45 minutes. Yeah, I think I would go to that class. You know, do a bit of breathing and then look at the clouds. It's amazing. <laughs> that sounds great. Yeah. yeah. And then I think like a lot of the theory, I, I don't think I'd paid much attention to chakras before. Mm -hmm. And I think I'd sort of maybe dismissed them as a bit uh, hippie. Woo woo, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, and, I, and I'm realizing I am um, probably more spiritual than I thought I was. That's interesting. I think so much of this really resonates with me. So much of the chakras, uh, I do things like the yamas and the niyamas so much of it i just really resonates with me and i really like um and the idea of sort of i don't know if you if you're feeling a bit tired or you maybe need some grounding then actually embracing some of the sort of the root chakra would help with that or doing a practice that would help with that and so i quite like knitting all of this together and then having a lot more respect i think for the way that teachers put a class together it's not just you know there will be teachers who just turn up and they wing it. But actually, I've been reading about some teachers and they decide, right, we're going to do root chakra. And so they do, they ensure that the room is red and that there's red candles and all that sort of stuff and little elements of that in the room. Um, and yeah, that I've, I've really, 
I've really, really been taken by that. Whether or not you use all this when you actually qualify, you just get end up doing side bends and twists and <laughs> looking at clouds. I don't know, but it's but, uh, but I it's think been really good. Yeah, and also the fact that you are learning about things doesn't mean you will literally put those in your class, but the knowledge that you absorb in your training will seep through. Even if you do the side bends, the the way you cue it or the where you place it in your class might actually be coming from the knowledge that you have learned about the chakras. Yeah, and so much of it is, osmo is like osmosis. You realize how much of it just seeps in and you become a lot more aware of this stuff, I think. Um, and actually, I think it will naturally come out. I, it's it's really awkward. I think when you do your the first weekend that we were there, and we were asked to teach a, a pause, and you're like, oh, I've, no, I've never taught as, as if I thought I was going to be teaching on this first first day. Yeah. And uh, you can't help but put on this this different voice. It's like, okay, everybody, well, like I'd like to welcome you into the room. <laughs> and then the yoga now, teacher voice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I just talk like myself. I'm like, right, everyone, just if you can get on the mat. <laughs> and I think it, you you an element of the training is also allowing yourself to become an authentic version of yourself that you would want to be when you teach rather than this kind of stereotype that you think you would end up being um which is also really good it's it, it, it helps you find that voice it helps you find that that personality that you will bring into your classes one of the written exercises we had to do was about how you would hold that space like how you would what do you want people to feel when they come into your class, whether that be online or in a room? And just sitting and thinking about those things, I think is really important um, so that you don't just replicate the classes that you've been to. And you can sort of borrow elements because I think yeah. that's, that's natural. But it allows you to then think, right, actually, this is, this is how I want to teach. This is what I want that space to look like. This is how I want people to feel when they leave a class that I've taught. It's so good to have a training that actually makes you think about that because we've discussed it off off recordings. My very first training was it was it was good for what it gave me, but it wasn't the training that actually made me think about myself. It was more the training that taught me like the step by step things. It taught me the yamas and the niyamas. It taught me the chakras, but without um, space for self exploration, really. And of course, I could have maybe done that myself but it helps to be prompted to mm. <laughs> to do that because it just I was so caught up in the anatomy of things and the alignment of poses at that time that the self-exploration came later in trainings that I did after my first 200 hours but to find a training as your first training where you actually get to explore that I think that's amazing because that is in the end what is going to make your way of teaching your classes unique like the poses anyone can teach you um a warrior to pose it's not that hard to explain it's the way i don't you... know about that <laughs> <laughs> in the end if you just look at the picture you know <laughs> I, yeah no okay let's start with tadasana mountain pose not that hard to explain yeah but to actually get people to connect to their body as they're doing it, to notice what's happening inside. Um, when you dive a little bit deeper than just placing a body in a certain way, 
that's when your personality becomes important, right? If um, I I gave this example, I was in a, I was in another training last Tuesday, and we were talking about the important of importance of touch, and uh, the the teacher asked us to just give yourself a moment, think back to moments where you were touched, maybe in a yoga class, maybe outside of yoga class, but something that instantly brings you back to that moment, whether it's a good memory or a bad memory. And that brought me back to this one class where it was it was called power yoga, which is something I already have a little bit of issue with <laughs> to begin with, but that's a whole different discussion. But the teacher was walking through the class and she came up behind me and without me seeing her coming, obviously, because she was behind me, she like flicked her fingers on my butt and said, tighten your butt and I was like okay for so many reasons that was wrong right (laughs) right for one that's that's not what you want to focus on um in a class is uh to tighten your butt I think it's sure it's important to know when to engage your muscles but flicking someone on their ass without them seeing you coming it I didn't feel violated, but I was very, very surprised. And I was like, if I was someone else, if I had a bad experience maybe with people touching me when I didn't want to be touched, this could have been actually a trigger to mm-hmm. bigger trauma. It's a, it's important. So from in going to the prompt of engaging your muscles, which sometimes is a very helpful cue, Right. Sometimes it's really good to know which part of your body maybe needs to give a little bit more stability in a pose. To going to flicking someone and saying something like that, there's like this world of options that you have in how you bring someone there. That's and right. that's where your personality comes in and that's where your your teaching style will distinguish you from others and where People will connect with your style or with, I, I'm sure there's people who loved her style, who thought it was funky and fun and light. For me, it was a reason to never return to the studio. Mm-hmm. But that made me think, like, it's, they can teach you the basics. They can teach you, like, what m- the muscles do, what the body can and can't do in most cases. But to prompt you to explore your personality and how it fits into those teachings, I think that's where the real value is because that's what's going to either appeal to people or not and help you connect to people to share yoga. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, first of all, I mean, that just sounds a terrible way of teaching. I mean, (laughs) even if you expect, yeah. I mean, because the problem is you're going to carry that into the rest of the class as well. And so that all that energy and that sort of calmness that you'd have been building in or the the sort of positivity just would be dissipated through that that one action and as you say there's there's ways you can do that. that's one of the things that we've been learning is you don't have to single an individual out you know before they've even got to the point that they've touched you without permission they could just say to the room right one thing you could think about is tightening your but if that's what you, you know, if that is something yeah. that would would assist you in this pause, that way, then everybody then thinks, oh yeah, maybe I could do that without one person feeling they're being singled out. I think one thing I found difficult, um, and I think has been a, a, a sort of unique challenge to me on the training compared to the other people on this training, is is the fact that being a wheelchair user, I'm not 
demonstrating the pause. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm using verbal cues to guide people into a pause that I can't physically do in, in a conventional sense. Um, and that has been really interesting because I think you realise how many yoga teachers that when you go to a class, the rest of the class just mimics what they're doing at the front and that there's mm-hmm. very few verbal cues. Or that you might sort of say, right, we're going to move into, as you said before, Warrior 2. And then they do Warrior 2. So you, you can visually look at what they're doing and be like, right, okay, well, I'll do that, I'll do that, and I'll do that. But if you're just verbal cueing, it's much, I just, yeah, there's a, there's a different um, type of skill required, I think, to do that, which, is, which has been really interesting for me to try and learn, um, which is a, a sort of challenge that I knew I would face but as, as, as not being any easier from knowing that I would have to do that at some point. But it's still quite good fun. I think it's, you know, I don't know, being able to direct a room of people into four pauses, as an example, you know, mm-hmm. and then you see everybody on the floor uh, and those that can, you know, grabbing their, grabbing their feet and they're in this beautiful ball pause and you're like, oh, I got everyone in that. <laughs> That's great. And I'm just sat here doing the easy bit. <laughs> It's like this almost powerful and empowering <laughs> feeling, right? Yeah. Mm. Do you think it helps that you're a writer? Um, I've not thought of that, actually. It's quite interesting. I think maybe, uh, maybe I think it, it helps that I am confident talking to a room of people. So mm-hmm. if I'm reading to a room of people something that I've written, then uh, I get really nervous on the run up to that but once whatever it is the, whatever that first word is then I'm normally alright the nerves kind of go away and I, I go into a performance mode and I feel a little bit the same by doing the yoga if I've prepped and I know I've, I've kind of thought about what I want to say and I can put a bit of my personality in there as we've been talking about then uh, yeah some of that element I think helps to come through I don't yeah. know yet whether or not I think it will probably come eventually that maybe the way that I speak may come into it. I know I would probably include some form of writing, maybe that I've written or maybe that I haven't written, in every class, I think, either in Shavasana or just before, or at the start Mm -hmm. of a class, maybe. I think I will probably incorporate. So when we're talking about holding space and and what a class would look like, I think that is something that I would do because uh, it's something that I'm passionate about and have an interest in. Yeah. I one of the things that I really did like about my first teacher training was that at some point they said you should cue a class as if um a complete beginner who cannot see is in your class. Like mm-hmm. you have to find ways to or find the words to explain the poses to make it simple and accessible and for people to not see you still be able to understand what you're saying. Mm-hmm. And I always, I remembered that that's something that I kept telling myself when I was prepping, when I just started teaching coming out of the training. And to be honest, I think the classes where I don't demo as much, where I don't do the poses with the students, I think those are the classes where I'm a better teacher because it's way easier for me to keep an eye on all the people in front of me when I'm not doing the, the poses myself which means that you can also um, give them the cues that actually might help them in that moment instead of the cues that usually work. 
you know, because you have this, you have this standard set in your head of cues that work. But when you're actually taking the time and the space to look at the person in front of you, it gives you uh, more of a connection to what's actually happening in the moment. Yeah, I agree. I think that's one of the things that we've, I've, I've learned probably one of the biggest takeaways is being around observing observing is actually more important than the cue itself because mm -hmm. you you are looking at what the room is doing you're, you're looking as to whether or not the energy of the room is responding to what you're saying you're looking at whether or not somebody's you know maybe doing something that's not safe for themselves or you know you can look in, and, and introduce um props that maybe uh would would assist them in that you know being able to do tree pause as an example and if someone's balancing slightly or just recommending putting a hand against a wall or mm -hmm. balancing their knee on the on the uh on a chair and actually just being able to do that you can only do that by observing you can't do that if you're in different tree pause at the front of the room with your eyes closed so i think um and that that there's something sort of strange about well not strange i sort of understand why there seems to be a, a re real reluctance to use props you know when you go to a class and people don't want to use a that's it yeah i don't want to use a chair i don't want to use a wall if you think about what uh tree poses as an example is that um you know tree poses as much about grounding and balance and it is about being able to physically be in that position so actually rather than having the sole of your foot on the inside of your thigh it might be better to have it against your ankle because your the balance is there so it's trying to trying to describe actually this is about the balance it's about stability it's about grounding if you're wobbling about all over the place you're not you're not doing what the pause is hoping for you to do but also then trying to take it a next level and actually say you can do the greatest prop i think is a, is i would say this because i'm biased because of my being a wheelchair user but i think is a chair you know and i think you know people are really sniffy about chair yoga classes and actually you, they're really interesting i think you can do so much using a prop as a using a chair as a prop and i think um yeah it'd be really good for people to embrace chair yoga far more or a chair as a prop because you can do so much with it and it's and, and have a really intense class oh for sure on yes. a chair yeah 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 i think i maybe it's because i'm i live in this beautiful social media bubble where i only follow the people <laughs> that i like that are mostly in the same state of thought as I am. So I, in my bubble, it seems like people are more and more open to mm -hmm. different, different ways to practice with chairs. And um, I hope that's actually something that is becoming a little bit more uh, globally accepted. Like everyone, that yoga is not just this picture perfect pose of i don't know you know the photos against sunsets and then the silhouettes of the beautiful dancer pose or the tree pose yes that's yoga as well i i don't want to dismiss it completely because yes that too is a part of yoga but i love it when and my favorite thing is when i teach a class and everyone is doing their own version of the pose when people are connected enough to their own body and their ability in that moment because even what you can do in the morning will not be what you can do in the evening because yeah. your body changes throughout the day people finding ways to to practice yoga in a way that fits them at that moment i think that is 
for me, the ultimate way to practice because that means that you are connecting to your abilities, your needs, and your body and your mind. If you can get all those things to work together, it's beautiful. That's right. And I think like, I th- I, maybe we've spoken about this before, but I, I, I sort of, I don't have an issue, but I, I prefer not to use sort of phrase like an accessible class because an accessible class means that, you know, you're by definition, somebody with a disability could turn up. And I think therefore people that are, uh, have been practicing for 20 odd years might decide that's not a class for them, but actually yeah. every class should be accessible. So yes. the way that you cue that you should look at the room and think, right, this is the room of people in front of me. We're all going to do, you know, tree pose as an example coming back to that one of the ways that sometimes i practice tree pose is to just sit with a yoga block on my head because it's balanced yes and you know if you can be in tadasana with a yoga block on your head and your eyes closed that's actually balanced so you know then i can I, I bring variations into that i might cross my leg one leg over my other leg I might lift in my chair all with the block. So actually you're 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 then rising and your that balance is still is still there. But there's variations of that. But then somebody could be in the traditional tree pose. Somebody else could just be stood into Dasna with one leg raised. So you you know, what you're doing there is just being aware of the room and you are being accessible. It's the, it's down it's it's down to the teacher to be accessible. It's not down to the the venue or uh people to guide themselves or whatever it might be i think is 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 really important i i agree yeah and it's (laughs) it's interesting because when we talked uh last week i think you we talked about some people expecting you to teach chair yoga right Mm. because you're a wheelchair user Mm. and i was so surprised by that because i thought why why would that be the only style you would teach you can teach whatever style of yoga you want although i'm very very looking forward to the cloud gazing kind right now (laughs) (laughs) but there's 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 no limit to what you can do because it's not about demoing anything it's about the way you help people come to a practice that's right i mean i think i will definitely teach chair yoga but that is because I think, as I've said before, the chair is a great prop. And I think you can have a strenuous, not strenuous, you can have a fulfilling practice on a chair, using a chair as a prop. And I would like to kind of, I think chair yoga gets a bad press. And the thing is, this is, so the the thing about yoga is there is a, a spectrum and wherever you fall on that spectrum is then authentic to you as an individual. So Mm -hmm. if you are teaching in a, a, a care home as an example and you're teaching chair yoga because that is easier to do and it's the right class for that mom doesn't mean you can't then teach chair yoga to a room full of rugby players you yes. know and th- and all all the people in between would still have a fulfilling class because of the way that you've you've taught that class you know i do chair yoga because i don't have a choice but actually no i do because sometimes i get out on the mat and i do various different i do a, a mat based um sequence but also yeah definitely i would want to just teach classes with all types of pauses and movement yeah. um and i think there's something 
that uh, would be quite... I'm hoping that there's something that would be quite interesting for somebody to go to a class where there is somebody that uh, doesn't look like them and is guiding them through a sequence that maybe they might not think that person might be able to do or do in the same way. And yet, but immediately there may be just there's a block that could be removed by people coming into that class and feeling uh, this this is a class I can do because it's cued for anybody um, yes. I think that's really important oh I agree do you completely different question does it does your training seep into your day-to-day -day life like do you notice that you're changing other things because of the training that you're doing Yeah, I think I've become um, calmer. I think I'm trying to be calmer. I think I'm being aware of actually maybe where uh, my stress levels could be rising and for what reason they could be, things that I could do to kind of change that. I think uh, I'm definitely maybe taking a breath more. And the breath, the breath is the most important part of yoga. You know, mm -hmm. just coming back to that breath taking a deep breath in itself is a great yoga sequence to do just take a deep breath yes and um you know actually because it creates a pause it just creates that pause before you dive into the thing that you're about to do or before you say something that you might wish that you'd not said or um if you feel your stress levels are rising just take a deep breath and come back to that and um I find that that has been really helpful. And as I say, some of the stuff about the, the chakras, I think, uh, and the yamas and the niyamas, some of the stuff was around, I forget, without looking at my notes and stuff, but I think maybe it's the, the yamas where it's about, uh, you know, it's easy to sort of exaggerate and tell little white lies and things like that. Mm -hmm. And I find that that's something that I do. Or maybe that if somebody's talking that you rather than just listening and uh, giving space to that person that you could listen to what they're saying and feel you're being empathetic by bringing it back to an example that you've done in your life and actually there's something that's quite powerful for somebody to be talking about something that's happened to them and just to sit and listen and then respond at the end in a way that they might want rather than then and I think I am guilty of this where I might have a conversation with somebody And it can be quite one way for me. And if somebody says something, I find that the end of the conversation is me talking rather than them finishing that train of thought. Um, and I think it helps you to listen more and just listen full stop, I think. Um, so I think there are some of the things that I've I kind of definitely noticed trying to seep into my day-to-day -day life a bit more. It's, I love that. It's interesting. I think... One of the things that teaching yoga and the retreats that I organize, it's about holding space, creating space for people to be. And I think that what you just said kind of reminded me of that, like even in conversation, just holding space for someone to have, to feel safe enough, to have the time, to have your attention as they speak, or maybe even as they sit next to you quietly Just to hold that space for someone is, I think, one of the m most beautiful things that you can give another person, to right. be honest. 
Yeah. And I, I, I recognize that because for me, um, I, I noticed those little changes as well, like more patience. Interesting story that a lot of people who met me after I did my teacher training, when I told my husband that I wanted to become, well, no, I didn't say I wanted to become a yoga teacher. I said I want to do yoga teacher training. And he looked at me and he said, are you sure? I said, why? And he said, you're the most impatient person I know. And I was. He was absolutely right. I was very impatient and always busy, busy, busy and annoyed with people if they weren't up in my, on my speed level but had their own pace. I, I had no patience for that for the longest time. And I think that's what yoga brought me as well. And I think it's, it basically comes down to what you were saying as well, taking the extra breath, giving people space to tell their story without trying to solve it as they were talking, my brain would usually already be problem solving and giving them this list of things that they could do to fix their problem, you know? Right. And I think the training and the practice of yoga itself, it's not just the training, it's practicing what you learn as well, has made me um, better fit for creating space and holding space for other people. I think it's made me a better friend for sure. Mm which is something I did not expect going into yoga teacher training. I expected a lot of things. This was not one of them. I think you're right. I mean, two things that I would say to that. One is you've also got to know your audience. I remember we did the session where it was about holding space and just being a better listener. And I came out of that session and my wife was really cross about something, like really het up. And she was like ranting, ranting, ranting. And I was just sat listening and she was like why are you not saying anything i was like i am holding space i'm allowing you this space she's like i don't want you to hold bloody space i want you to be cross <laughs> be cross about the same thing i'm cross about so i was like she's what you're holding yeah. space what do you mean you're holding space <laughs> like, get angry with me yeah. yeah so i was like okay yeah maybe <laughs> you've got to sort of read the room you know that kind of observation but i think also true actually the first thing i've learned about the teacher training is the first person that needs to benefit from what you're learning is yourself and actually even if you do not decide to teach you will you will practice better you will hopefully you know feel a bit calmer or you'll be more aware of things or you may live your life in a different way or you may choose to want to do that and you'll be more aware of why you're doing the things that you're doing and you might never teach but you are yeah. because you're kind of teaching yourself, but you might never teach a room of people and that's okay because it's almost like a really intensive introspective session for yourself, you know, and actually that is really important. Once you've done that, you can then move to the kind of the room setting uh, and, and think about how you might want to teach other people. So true. I think I think that might be a really nice note to end on, actually, this episode. And Very maybe good. maybe in the future we can talk about what it's been like for you after. Because that's always interesting, like what happens after the training. Yeah. Well, it doesn't stop, though, does it? I think it, that's part of it. So, true. You know, yeah. you might, you might I don't know, be given a certificate or a little badge to sew onto your leggings. I don't know what it is that you get at the end. <laughs> but actually it doesn't stop it doesn't because the first class that you teach you will learn something about yourself in that class that you teach 
and yep. then the next one and the next one and the next one so i think you know it, it actually the teacher training it, it's it's the 200 hours is to get your badge to sew onto your leggings but it but actually the yoga teacher training doesn't stop um and i think that's 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 the exciting bit that's where the real learning will come when you're left very on your own. true it's yeah, like when I you learn to dr- it's like when you learn to drive for the first time and you instructor gets out the car and you're like oh i'm gonna put the radio on this is exciting you know and it's like you know you sort of figuring out these different things yeah i think that the training is giving you the toolbox so you have the tools and then you go out and you try to use them and you reshape yeah i love that thank you so much thank you biddy pleasure as always until next time thank you so much for listening to show up and surrender I hope you enjoyed this episode. For more information about the podcast and about our guests, go to showupandsurrender.com. On our tips page there, you can also find links to anything that we may have mentioned and ways to connect to our guests. We'll be back soon with another episode of Show Up and Surrender. I hope you'll join us.